Yes, the final week of April. I'm Debbie Lynn Elias. You're listening to Behind the Lens. My partner in, in cinematic cohort crime. That's a triple C's, right? Isn't that? Yes. The Culver Ill- City. Uh, some more, fine. Some more you, know, you know me in alliteration. <laughs> you know me in alliteration. Greg yes. Srizavazdi yes. is here in the nick of time. Yes, Traffic out there today is Accident, a nightmare. 605. So if you're all sitting in your cars yeah. listening to internet radio right now, just sit back and relax and we'll entertain you for an hour. And then I'm yeah. so thrilled to have our very first physical in-studio guest, Ta-da. my friend Renee Scotty Dallo, who is also known as Moxie Bride and Moxie Bright Events. <laughs> and we're gonna and she's gonna help talk about what all you May, June, July, August, September brides see on the big screen and then think you're going to get it in real life. Can we do just a quick mini clap just because of yes. uh, having a guest oh, yeah. here? Yes. We're very lonely, by the way, each week. So <laughs> we're just... Well, I'm glad to be here. Okay. <laughs> it's a lovely studio. You should have more people here. Oh, no. Sh- <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's lovely to have people here, especially since the lovely Lydia is doing a two-camera setup here as those people that watch us on the, uh, the video podcast subsequently nice. during the week. Yes. And makes everybody look nice, except me, good. except me, because there's no helping me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in addition to Renee, we've got a fun show today in the second half hour. Ladies, Castle fans, we've got John Huertas calling in Can live. I clap for him? Yes, yeah, Renee. I clap, yeah. I'm a big Castle fan. I am and- the opposite. I have yet to watch one episode of Castle. I'm I'm on the moat. Not you gotta even, do it. Even you gotta jump in. Yes, they're really good. Okay, good. So she, she's got it. I, 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 I am. Yeah, a little bit shocked. I'm, I apologize. Uh, words fail me at this moment. <laughs> and I love mystery books too, so it should be right up my alley. Right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You're missing out. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. I even have the castle books. Oh, okay. They're wow. they're actual books. They're actual books. No way. All the all the heat wave, you know, Derek Storm books. Oh yeah. Oh my God, that's what I want nice. for my birthday. Nice. They actually, yes, we have all of these great. Yeah, there are castle books. I didn't know. And you know, ironically, that's a lovely segue because <laughs> theater producer David Galligan, who is helming for the thirty-first year Stage LA on May 9th, and we've been hearing from all his talented. Uh, performers who will be there, Carol Cook, Sally Kellerman, Jake Simpson, Robert Morris, Nancy Dussault, Mary Jo, the list is is endless. Um, David's going to be calling in to talk about that, but they have a silent auction. Last year at the silent auction, they had an entire castle gift basket. Okay, you know who got the, ca- you know who bid enough to get the castle gift basket. That's how you have the books. Or can anyone get them? Can oh, I you can buy them. You, them. you can go on Amazon. You can go into, into Barnes and Noble. You certainly can. That is so on. That is happening. See? See? <laughs> Look at this. This is what we do here. We promote. We market. We merchandise. So anybody that wants to throw <laughs> us advertising, we take anything. By the way, I listened to BTL, Behind the Lens, yes. last week yes. on the way over with the car accident. Great Jake Simpson songs uh, promoting Stage LA. I oh, loved it. his Mo Betta. Yeah. He, so wrote, he wrote and performed that. It's really good. 
And yeah. you did have a really amusing laundry segment with him for about 10 <laughs> minutes. So behind the lens fans, please listen to last week's episode. It's a really good conversation. I, w- I wouldn't know because I never do my laundry, so... You guys must hold your nose. But that, that was a great interview. <laughs> great interview with Jake last week, by the way. Well, so, thank you. And, and Jake is off doing his own laundry in Palm Springs yeah. this week. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he will, he'll be back in town. I, he's been performing at a couple clubs in Palm Springs, by the way. But he will be performing live on stage at the Saban on May 9th. Cool. So, but we will have David Galligan calling in to talk about that. And the breaking news on stage that just came out this weekend they're doing a cavalcade of costuming of broadway original broadway costumes oh wow at wow. during the performance at stage yes renee renee we need a ticket i think I, <laughs> I have a wedding in santa barbara that weekend Un- oh boo boo yeah. because they're doing a costume cavalcade um Mrs. Brady herself has now joined the cast of nice. stage. She's lovely. Have you ever mm. met her? Yes. She is one of the nicest people I've ever met. She is just oh. very She lovely. is everything that Carol Brady is. Yes. Really? You, okay. She's everything you want her to be when you meet her. You think, oh, this is not disappointing at all. Yep. Which is great. And she is go- she's going to be doing um, a tribute to legendary, the Broadway choreographer, Dan Majika, who just passed away. Yeah. Mm. So that's a nice addition. Greg Luganis is now going to be participating in the fashion, in the costuming. Very he nice. and his husband and a few other television personalities. That's amazing. And uh, Leah Thompson. Wow. Has just, she just joined the cast as of Monday, I think. Um, who knows? She may be showing off some of her Dancing with the Stars skills, Ooh. which Florence could also do. Yes. By the way, you will be sitting on the second row. Yes, I will. I know be. that because I actually creeped on that, listened to the whole thing last week. So I know your seating arrangement. That's the spitter's row, like Jake said. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. yes. Lydia and Doug and I will be sitting in the second row, dead center. Yeah. That's how you know they're really singing, though, if they spit on you. Yes. That's well, how you know it's live. Now, enlighten, <laughs> Greg, because, you know, Renee yes. comes out of theater. Yes. I come from the musical theater, yes. Okay, that's so true. that's a good row, the spitter's it's row. This, you have to. I mean, okay. it's, it's, it's an authentic experience. Okay, good. You know, now you know why I paid $800 for a ticket to the Paul McCartney concert. Ooh. Were you in the, so you were in the Spitters? Well, I was in row seven. Oh, row seven. Close to it. That's close. Okay. I mean, it's Dodger Stadium. Oh, okay. Then, yes. That's oh, very, wow. that's extremely close. It, it would be the Spitters row in the Saban. Are you a, a huge McCartney fan? Oh, yeah. Just him or the, all the Beatles? All, but especially him. Mm. So that was, you know. Yes, and I got a lot of flack from some press people because, how come you had really good seats and we were up in the nosebleed section? Because I ponied up the box. Because you paid for it. (laughs) You know, quick question. What is your favorite part of Stage LA as far as the whole event when you're watching it? It is – and I think Jake touched on this last week. Seeing all of these legends, because as you know, and as as you know, Renee, I mean – a lot of these people, like Carol Cook, they're in their 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm. Number one, the right. fact that they are pr- still performing right. and touring at this stage of the game is mm. in and of itself an inspiration and just absolutely fabulous. But to be entertained by all these people on the same stage, you may go to, you know, for Sally Kellerman, you may go to, you know, Dave Cause, Spaghettini and Dave Cause's Lounge to hear her one night. But you aren't going to hear Nancy Dussault, Sally Kellerman, Jake Simpson, Carol Cook, Patricia Morrison, who's 101 years old. You're not going to hear all of them 
on the same stage. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we have a real treat to start off the show. David Galligan is on the line. Hello, Mr. Galligan. Hey there, Debbie. How are you? I am fine. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm up to my ears and show, but I'm good. Oh, this is, I, I, and I know you are, and I am so thrilled you're taking time out to give us a call. Greg's here. No, I wanted to meet you because everybody who who you talk to, I mean, I'm, I'm not buttering you up. But they all rave about you. Oh, well, oh, thank you. It's <laughs> it's such a joy to talk to, you know, each and every one of them. Some of them, like Bobby Morse, our paths have crossed, crossed through TCM and over the years. Jimmy Darren. Jimmy Darren first met me when I was three or four years old on the set of American Bandstand. Oh, wow. And then we actually worked together years later on Hooker. So... What did you do on American Bandstand? I did nothing. I sat there looking very cute because my dad was a cameraman. Oh, I see. I used to date a girl on, on American Bandstand, Pat Molitary. I don't know whatever happened to her. Oh, my God. Well, so many of them. You know, they do have the Bandstand reunion platforms on Facebook. Not like you have time to go searching. Oh, I've, no. I, well, I'm not crazy about Facebook, but I, I think I'd, I'd love to know what happened to her. She or actually you can go into the Broadcast Pioneers uh, a Philadelphia website who archive all of that stuff and have okay. countless, countless things. I can even get you the direct links as, you know, and the member link since I am a member. Well, uh, that would be nice. Thank you. I'd appreciate <laughs> it. So I am just uh, – David, this is just such a thrilling event. Everybody involved loves you to no end. And well, that's nice to hear. Everybody that I ask, it's like, what is it about David Galligan? He picks up the phone and says, hey – I'm doing this again for Stage LA to benefit AIDS Project Los Angeles, and they all, that's all it takes, and they're in. What is, what is your magic? Well, <laughs> I, I, think, I think, first of all, it's the collaboration, whereas I'm not an autonomous director that says, you do it my way. I, I I have my way, and they listen to my way, but if their way wants to meet my way, then we have a collaboration that usually works very nicely. Um, I, 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 I dissect a song, and that's a strange one, I, so that it's like, um, oh, how would I... I approach a song so that, that it has a beginning, middle, and end. It isn't just, you know... It has meaning. I interpret it. You tell a story with all of your all of your stagings. Each one tells right. a story. So, in other words, I say to the person, "Where are you coming from?" Before they hit stage, there has to be an event in order to sing the song. And it's all of this. The audience never knows, but it 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 gives the song a body. Mm-hmm. So that, in other words, you take a song like everybody sings, like, what a day this has been, what a rare mood. It's almost like being in love. Um, How do you feel about almost like being in love? Are you daffy about it? Uh, What's the day like because of being in love? And so on and so forth, so that you you have an emotional beat behind it, not behind every lyric, but some of them are three and four stanzas, you know, that, that you have the same emotional beat. But it, but you take apart the song that way and put it back together again. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that's something. Does that make any sense? Am I... uh, it makes perfect sense to me. Let me ask. Okay, let me ask sure. my my special guest here, Renee Scotty Dallo. Renee comes out of musical theater, and she's she's a fan of yours. That's Renee so is nice. a fan of yours, David. She knows your work. 
So is that something that as a, as a theater performer that you re can relate to, Renee? Oh, absolutely. Um, 100%. You need to treat the story like almost a monologue or sorry, treat the song like a monologue. Um, and I think also as a performer for me, it was always harder to sing some of the older classic songs because they were also written to be on the radio. Um, so a lot of it repeats. And when you repeat something, you have to repeat it in a fresh way. And, um, and so working with the director like David, who approaches it in a, an acting way, is always very helpful and helpful to the audience to maybe hear it in a different way, a song that they've heard yeah, a million because times. I, I, I don't know if you agree with this, uh, Renee, but it, it's, it's some songs are presentational, and you come out and you go, gee, but it's mm -hmm. good to be here. And, 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 but the next song, you, you may be have, be, I call them mirror songs. I, I talk to myself in the mirror. I, I found that a lot of people do. <laughs> so you might be doing a monologue to yourself in mm -hmm. the mirror in this song. Yeah. Um, so Absolutely. that you don't you don't come out there and you know do windmill arms and go hello everybody it's me. <laughs> it, it becomes it becomes the Sondheim has a lyric uh, we'll build a cocoon and I think that the cocoon you build as a performer and the audience has to go to you rather than you're out there selling yourself for your best sixteen bars for an audition. Yeah, mm -hmm. am I making sense? I'm, Absolutely. I'm I think you're making perfect, perfect sense here. And Renee is like, I see the smile on her face. She's and yeah, nodding on the side. And, and she, she yeah, knows it's, exactly. It's, it's like a, a, an actor and a song. And everybody thinks they're just singers. Well, no, they're act, singer actors. I mean, the, the acting is part of it all. Um, we'll come in and they'll, they'll sing for an audition. And I don't know who tells them this, but they hit a spot. They look at a spot right above my head. I'm at a table. <laughs> Or I'm in a theater seat. Well, there's nothing more. I mean, I, I, please don't look at me. Let me go to you. You know, let me let me find out what you're feeling and what you're doing. And and if you do it right, then then I'm I'm all for you. <laughs> so what keeps you going? You know, this is your 31st year of doing stage, David. When you and Carol and and the gang first began. Did you ever think that you would still be doing this 31 no, years later? And what is it that drives you? Well, I'm very disheartened. Um, oh, here we go. All right, fine. I'm, 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 go there. Open. I'm going to talk about it. Go there. Um, I'm losing an audience because I, I don't think that uh, the, the older audience is who loves music. I find that, that the younger people, the younger performers, they don't even know who George and Ira Gershwin were. They haven't a clue. They don't. They don't know what I'm talking about. And, and frankly, it, it works both ways because I don't understand their music either. <laughs> so it's it's disheartening for me to to be talking to thirty dancers and trying to teach them our love is here to stay when only one person knows who George and Ira Gershwin were. And then she said, and I quote, "I know George Gershwin. He writes the music for United Airlines." But I don't know his wife, Ira. Oh, my oh. God. That breaks my heart. And you, and you sit there and you go, it's your, well, it, it isn't their job. It's, no, it is their job. It, it, you, you need to know about the music, yes. the Great American Songbook. You need to know about Cole Porter. And, so it's disheartening to me because I, I feel like I've lost an audience. I, I, and, you know, it. It gets harder and harder to do because people say to me, "Well, you've got to get, you've got to 
to to take care of the young. I don't have to do anything um, because they don't they don't respond to me. I don't respond to them as an old leather Mormon lawn. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I am disheartened by that, very disheartened. Um, what used to be a, a three night event has dwindled down to one night. Yes, it does sell out, but but it's it's like it's for AIDS, and you know, and again, that even goes to that that group of people that have AIDS because they they don't feel because they don't die from it, and the cocktail has it that there there's an apathy there. Nobody seems concerned about it because it's no longer disease of the month. And aren't you glad you opened this canopy? Um, <laughs> hey, you know, Nancy and I, Nancy Dussault and I opened this canopies um, when during our one-on-one interview. And it's very true. She said there is this great lackadaisical, lackadaisical mentality that, oh, I can just take a drug. So I don't need to get tested. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. But this is still very present and of course it is, is on the increase. But if somebody's not taking care of themselves or is, has such disregard as to have uh, sex, uh, and would, well, I'm not going to go into that one, but okay, uh, then, then why am I doing a benefit for them? I don't mean I, we are doing it. It's, again, disheartening, but yes, I do continue, and yes, we do continue, but it gets harder and harder with every year because the apathy of the audience and I, I mean, we are supported by an audience, but less and less. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know what will happen to, because I, I certainly, it's, it's my music. It's um, uh, where am I going with this? Well, your music is the music that you choose, the music that you select. It is the voice. It's a voice of compassion. It's a voice of love. It's a voice of a time gone by that people should be embracing and cherishing. You know, my dad told me for years and years, he spent 59 years in broadcast television, and that you have to embrace the history. You have to know the history to know where you are and to know where things are going in the future. It applies to music. It applies to film. It applies to television. It applies to medicine. You know, it's that that history. And as Carol has said before, she said the lack of curiosity in people today is what's very disheartening. Well, it is. When, when I was a, a, a kid, I, I mean, I was memorizing Burns Mantle plays, uh, which was a book, the best plays of the year. I was memorizing I had never been to the theater. Right? Now, maybe there was some sort of kismet involved, but I, 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 I couldn't get enough of the past. I, I, I learned from it. I, you know, I say to young actors today, watch... Ted Turner classic movies. Watch them. Find out what made Ginger Rogers a great comedian. Find out what these people were about and what the charisma had and what they what they learned. Watch Henry Fonda. Watch Jimmy Stewart. Um, they're great for a reason. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, but they don't even know who they are. Nobody knows who Garbo is. Not a clue. Well, I have news for you. I have a huge TCM audience who listens to this show. They are cheering you right now, David. Well. It's, 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 and plus, it's so entertaining to That's... sit there with Grand Hotel or just to watch uh, Marie Dressler do a triple take, which hardly anybody ever has done, mm-hmm. and get away with it, you know, in uh, with, with dinner at eight. Uh, it, it's, uh, uh, there's so much to be learned and, and to celebrate because of their great artistry. Well, David, are, you, are there still elements of directing that 
even with your years of experience, you're still learning and you're still discovering at this point in your life. Yes, I just did. I just did something with Lisa Roman at an art gallery. Um, I guess it would be called a performance piece, but I had never worked with video. I mean, there is certainly video in stage on in stage, but it's 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 film clips. But this was um, we had had Lisa and I put together a show that was really basically using video, but I found other ways to use it. And she she would be singing "Here They Come," those "Here They Come," those beautiful those song time from Follies, which oh. introduces the women coming down the stairs. And so I put it together with all the all the great nude ladies of art. So the video as she was singing was was bringing forth all these famous paintings. So I had never worked with video. Well, there's it's it's wild. There's some there's it opened up a whole new thing to me. Or painting a Sunday in the Park with George, taking it to black and white, and then singing it, and then painting it as if it was a brush. Oh, that's gorgeous! Oh. Yeah. Oh. Or doing finishing the hat and bringing forth all the hat, all the hat pictures of art through oh. the years, the Magritte, or you know, and I'm interjecting Mona Lisa, the, the napkin Cole pop art song, and bringing forth all the Mona Lisas, and then having the was Frankie Avalon. The Venus song, which was popular when I was a teenager, and bringing forth all the Venus to Milo's and the Venus rising, and well, it was just wild. I had a wonderful time. <laughs> but yes, an answer to a long-winded answer to your question. Yes, I am discovering new things. What is the most challenging thing about bringing this stage production to life every year, David? Your themes are always just impeccable, incredible. Last year's stage goes to the movies, especially when we had surprises with Shirley Jones coming out. Um, absolutely phenomenal. This year you've got to Broadway from Hollywood with love. Where do you get, what inspires I don't know, these I don't ideas? Know where you, you think about things. And I was, I was curious about, for example, because that's where it came from, was a play called Par- Parfumery, which was done out here at the Annenberg, mm-hmm. which I did not see. And then it became, it, 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 I forget what year it was, way back, and it went to Hollywood and became the shop around the corner with Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan. And it stayed at MGM and became, it was remade into In the Good Old Summertime with Judy Garland and Gene Kelly. Now, here's my point. It went to Broadway and became She Loves Me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was the movies, with Hollywood to Broadway with love was, those movies, one of which was a musical in the good old summertime, mm-hmm. but it went to Broadway and became She Loves Me with a completely different score, but the same plot. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to go into it, it was it went back to, to Hollywood and became You've Got Mail. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's taking what was what was a film and turned into a Broadway musical, and there's so many, like Knights of Cabiria, the, the, uh, the Fellini film, for Julietta Messina, his wife, was turned into Sweet Charity, or Smiles of Ingmar Bergman's Smile of a Summer Night was turned into a little night music. I mean, there's so so many, it's wild. Zorba the Greek was turned into Zorba the musical. And some of those were celebrating. So now I have to ask you here, loving, sure. loving costuming in the movies and on stage, 
I know that now an added addition to this wonderful extravaganza is going to be that costume cavalcade. Yes. Any hints as to what kind of costumes we can expect to see? Well, you, I'm going to repeat one that I've done in the past, which is the Ginger Rogers Lady in the Dark costume, which people just gasp at. And, and Greg Schreiner is, is promised, uh, oh, there's, and, and I'm using them within the show, not only in the fashion show, but uh, a singer-actress by the name of Taya Gill is doing a tribute to film noir. Ooh. So, um... I'm doing a, 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 I'm not I'm not doing it. Greg Schreiner is loaning. I th- I think it's Lauren Bacall dress. Oh, wow. Um, and then she I've written something for her, which is you know one of the lines is I'm I'm a PM gal in an AM town, which <laughs> <laughs> kind of gives you an idea. I mean, there's so many crazy lines, and then those uh, within within that thing. Uh, and she's, she's interspersing those within uh, a song called Again, which is an idol Pino song from mm-hmm. the House. So now, a big thing that I always love is, and I know a lot of people do, is the silent auction. Now, do you go about begging and pleading people to donate? Renee's That's laughing at me. Renee's laughing at me as I ask this. Do you, do you ask people... To, for the auction, or is there a committee that does this? And is oh, any, sure. Is no, any... no, no. I mean, there's, there's, it, 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 there is a committee, but yes, this, uh, the man who does props said would he has a he's an artist, and he sells very well to, to uh, celebrities. And he said, "Would you like a piece of my art for the, the silent auction?" I said, "Absolutely." Or I'll say for the live auction, I talked to Patricia Morrison, and I said, "We'd love one of your paintings." Oh. She's a wonderful artist, so yes, it's going into the live auction. I tried to get Jake to put himself up for like lunch with somebody like Cheyenne Jackson did last year. but he And he, and he did. Um, and Jake wouldn't do it? Well, only if he's guaranteed that the opening bid is more than what somebody paid for Chey- lunch with Cheyenne. He wants 525 <laughs> specifically. I'll give him $5.25. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling they paid more than $5.25 for Cheyenne. I'm going to talk to Jake Simpson. <laughs> hey, I, I put him on the spot on last week's show that he should offer himself up, you know, for, you know, bid on lunch with Jake Simpson. Or cock- well, he should. I'm going to. I'm going to say something. Yes, and because because he has not done my laundry for me, I think it is incumbent upon him to to do this. That we're going to Jake and I are going to run this laundry thing forever. Uh, but I think it is well, one inc- year. One year, I offered a, ch- a chili because I make good chili. Mm-hmm. I offered chili for uh, dinner with Carol Carol Cook and Tom Shue, her husband, and. Uh, well, the, the the bid went sky high, and then somebody matched the bid, so I ended up doing dinner chili for, I don't know, I think it was about 16 people. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, God. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course. It was quite an evening, and, and, and they were nice enough. They said, oh, well, let us bring the wine, and they did. I, I said, sure. Well, it's the least they can do. But now, you know, it was really, now, Carol will probably say it's because of dinner with her. That so many people bid, but it really was for your chili. <laughs> and, 
I don't think so, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll make it for you, Debbie, sometime. Oh, oh nice. well, thank you, David. Now, is there any one one performance that you are really looking forward to in this year's production? Oh, I, I, that's uh, sort of favorite nations with with you know <laughs> with all of them. I mean, they're in it in the show for. The reason I'm looking forward to, you know, I've, Carol and I have written a monologue about her knowing, uh, this is Carol Cook. Is there any other? relationship <laughs> with, with, with Ethel Merman, who she called Agnes, which is Merman's real name. So we've written a, uh, we've written, uh, a monologue about visiting Merman during her last days, which is, which is, ends in uh, Life is Just a Bowl of Cherries, which is a heartbreaker. Um, I'm trying to think of there's. I'm opening the show with with the Grand Hotel. We're showing a clip of Grand Hotel and then going into the musical, which you know had oh. a couple of lives. It was at the Grand when I was growing up for Civic Light Opera, Edwin Lester Civic Light Opera in San Francisco and here, and uh, it was start Paul Muni and Joan Diener, and then it went nowhere. It just stayed, and then. It was Wright and Forrest that wrote Kismet that did the music. And then it was revived, and uh, Murray Yeston put some of the score, and they used Wright and Forrest for some of the score and uh, put it up, and Tommy Toon directed it. Oh. Uh, so I'm do recreating some of that mm-hmm. with Jason Graw and... Uh, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. James C. Mulligan. Oh, okay. And, um, so, yeah, I, I mean, that should be fascinating, I think. Uh, I, th- I'm I think She so. loves me with Nancy and Lisa Roman and Jason Graw and with part of the book attached to it. Um, and Lisa and, and uh, Nancy are kind of alter egos in this in this version. The, the, that's a beautiful score. Zorba, Donna Theodore is doing the Life Is with a clip. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of stuff. There's the fashion show, which I'm, Susan Clausen is introducing, and she does a one-person show on Edith Head. Oh, she is fat. Susan is Edith fabulous. Head. I hope I'm saying her name yes. right. Yes. That's how I've always said it. So if you're wrong, I'm wrong too. So So two wrongs do make a right in this case, in case we're wrong. (laughs) Absolutely. Another bowl of chili for Debbie, please. (laughs) So are there there still tickets available? I know I have mine. Yes, there are still tickets available. Um, It's it's starting to fill up, and for a while I was a little scared. But uh, it's starting to fill up. So, yes. Buy tickets. Support us. If you can't care anything about uh, the, the Great American Songbook. Oh, I'm doing a tribute to uh, James Bond as well. Ooh. Yes, well, and I know who's who's participating in that one. Who is that? <laughs> so, oh, Mr. Simpson. Uh, Mr. Simpson. Yes. Yes, that, sh- that should be interesting. That yeah, sh- and uh, Valerie Perry. Do you know who Valerie Perry is? I do not. Do you, Renee? I do. Renee knows. She's, she's my favorite Evita. Watch me get in trouble on that. But I think she's a great <laughs> Evita. And I saw when she was, she was 24 years old, she got her equity card by doing that. And I've seen them all. And she's quite amazing. Oh, wow. Amazing talent. She's doing it. 
And I think Tammy Tappan. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, just the lineup of people you have for anybody, like Jake said last week, this is cheaper than going to New York to a Broadway show. Well, he's right. Unless he counts taking him to, to lunch. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> yeah, you got to get to work on him. I, I really think... Well, I, you know, I mean, we could fly to New York for what it would cost to, to take Jake Simpson to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but some lucky person out there would not have the thrill of his company and being serenaded by one of his original songs. Oh, did, you, did he do that for you? Wow. Of course. It's me. He is so talented. I, I, I keep saying, just let me do an act for you with just singing the old stuff. I, I wish he would, because his voice is perfect for it. With that four-octave oh, range he's got. Oh, he's just so talented. You know. And he, he listens, but I don't know if he... He doesn't really know a lot about it, but he's willing to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, That's half the battle. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, David, I can't thank you enough. Everybody needs to go to www.stagela.com for tickets, for, you can just, don't, people can just donate too, can't they? Oh, absolutely. You can do straight. You come see the show. Oh, well, Julie Garnier is wonderful in the show too, by the way. Ooh. You know who that is? I do. I do. Sensational. What a, what a, what a extraordinary talent. Well. I, I, I can't pick, I have to say my favorite, though, because she'll kill me if I say anybody else, is Carol Cook. You know. Well, I, you know how long I go back with her. I know. I know. She's my Auntie Mame. You know. Um, and Carol and I are going to fight over the, the six-day, five-night Belize spa vacation, bidding on that. And whichever one of us gets it. I pay money to see Carol in the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if one of us gets it, we're taking the other one. So that's good. (laughs) I don't think she literally goes. She wears she wears like a hat with a veil to the floor if she goes out (laughs) the sun. Well, she wears that anyway. No, I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. I know. I'm going to get that for that. No, I've been at premieres with her. I know she does not. She was always impeccably made up, hair flawlessly done, and dressed beautifully. You know, I, you know I'm doing her one-person show, which I direct. Uh, we're doing it um, Memorial Day weekend in Palm Springs at the Purple Room. Ooh. Ooh. So. And people can just Google that, go to purpleroom.com to get tickets for that? I I don't know how to do it. Well. Purple Room, Palm Springs. um, We'll figure it out. um, We'll let you. Yeah, it's almost sold out. She's doing three days there. Oh, well, I'm surprised there's any tickets left since it's Carol because everything I know. Joanne Worley just did it this week and it's Dick Taylor Presents and uh, she was completely sold out. So we're hoping. Oh, well, right, my, I'm going to shut up now. No, my darling, <laughs> I will see you on May 9th. And I will be there. I'm the only person with a dog, so you, you can't miss me. Well, I know. I know. But I will see you on the 9th. In the meantime, I will keep hounding people. Buy tickets. Buy tickets. Come see this fantastic right. show. Okay. And, uh, and don't forget our chili date. I won't forget, David. <laughs> it won't cost you anything like Jake Simpson. Wow. <laughs> I just want him to do my laundry while he's drinking quad espressos. That's all. (laughs) David, thank you, my love. 
You're the best. You're, you really are wonderful. Oh, okay. thank you. And I will see you in a couple weeks. You got it. Thank you, everybody. Renee, thank you. Oh, thank you, Take David. Care. Thanks, David. Bye-bye. And that was the wonderful theatrical director and producer, David Galligan, Stage LA, www.stagela.com, May 9th. Get tickets. Fabulous show. Greg's sitting here, and he's bringing up the, some of the costuming this for the... the Lady in the Dark photo yes, it's, from... Yes, and Ginger. I've seen it. Oh, you've seen oh, it. This is... The, it is amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, not, not bad. No, not I don't, bad. I can't, in, in person, that must be... The most it's blinding. Thing. Blinding, yeah. It yeah. is blinding in when a, the stage lights way. hit it. <laughs> so before yeah. John Huertas calls in, we're going to take a short break. We will be right back to, with Behind the Lens. Behind the Lens is sponsored in part by the Culver City Observer. Located in the heart of Screenland, Culver City Observer is available in print, and online at www.culvercityobserver.com. Okay, well, I have I have done something weird to my headset, but that's okay because I one one year work, so I'm good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian is laughing at me in the booth. It's okay. Yes. Uh, All right. We'll let him fix it. We'll let him fix it because, okay, otherwise Renee is going to laugh herself silly. Okay. There. It's fixed. I liked it the other way, by the way. (laughs) Brian. (laughs) Okay. There you go. I deserve deserve that one. I deserve that one. Okay. You know, a little bit of insanity today, (laughs) you know, kind of goes with, we got freeway closures, we get accidents out there. It's, it's just, it's just a mess. But. Now, before John Huertas calls us, let us talk to the wonderful Moxie Bride herself about <laughs> movie weddings mm. and the headaches they cause you <laughs> as a wedding planner. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Uh, yeah, I get, a, I get a handful of brides who, who get locked into an idea that they got from a wedding. Um, and yeah, sometimes it is a little, it can be challenging because, you know, regular people don't have movie studio budgets <laughs> more most of the time most of the time well especially when we look at some of the very classic movie weddings mm-hmm. that are very iconic as we go back to the 1955 or the bride with elizabeth taylor or the philadelphia story with that gorgeous gown by gorgeous a- everything that adrian designed for Catherine hepburn was stunning then helen rose's stuff for grace kelly in high society gorgeous and i know people that over the years I want that. I want that. Mm-hmm. But you don't have an Adrian or a Helen Rose at your disposal. Right. And you know what's unfortunate, I think, is that a lot of the super classic styles, um, they're not really being mass produced right now. Like, you can't really go to David's Bridal and get a dress that looks like Grace <laughs> Kelly's dress. And that's probably for the best because quality-wise, it probably wouldn't uh, live up to a bride's expectation of what that would be. But I feel like if, if you do want one of those super classic tailored looks – you're basically going to have to get that made mm-hmm. yourself, you know, and then that's where we talk about price because it's like these, it's almost like it, it's a little more expensive to get something more refined. Mm-hmm. And of course that's where the whole idea of refinement comes from mm-hmm. is the movie. It's true. It's the movies. It's true. 
But then we also have some unrefining movies out there too. <laughs> well, like you know, you know, bridesmaids. Yes. So she ends up with that horrible. We said unrefined. I said unrefined. You did, and that's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> but you know, I've also had girls say to me that they didn't think that final dress she wore was so bad. You know, after they take off the sleeves and sort of unpoof it a little bit. Um, which is funny to me because it was meant, it's a comedy. It's a broad comedy. That dress was meant to be hideous. Even in its final state, it was still meant to be too much dress. <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny when girls are like, I think that dress is actually nice. And I just sort of bite my lips and you know, bite my tongue and go, oh, okay, well, yeah, we could, we'll try to find something like that. <laughs> Do you ever have to try and, irrespective of cost, of mm-hmm. getting refinement and glamour, like an Adrian or a Helen Rose work, mm-hmm. do you do you have to talk brides into something more realistic and less hideous? Um, or do we go for a corpse bride look? I know you and I <laughs> were talking earlier. I actually knew a girl that she wanted a corpse bride theme for her wedding and ended up at Knott's Berry Farm with the red and white Italian checkered tablecloth mm-hmm. and bowls of Italian pasta. That makes that story makes me sad because I feel like if you really want a corpse bride wedding, which I know is unusual, but if that's your jam, you should get that. That's what you should have. That's the kind of wedding you should have. And I I don't know I don't know your friend, I don't know how her journey of planning went, but I, it makes me sad when people have an idea of what they want and then the execution of it doesn't live up to it. And it, and it could just be because they don't know how to execute it. Aha. Uh-huh. You know. But for, uh, to go back to the original question about the uh, about the dresses, I think we're actually suffering nowadays from like too much exposure. Like when I, when I, like 10 years ago, you couldn't see bridal fashion week on the internet. Now it literally happens in real time. So if you want to look at exactly what just happened on the runway two weeks ago, you can go look at it. And I think it's, there's too much and it gets confusing Mm -hmm. because girls will have Pinterest boards of bridal gowns and it's literally every single style, every single color, including red. (laughs) And then they show these to me and I said, well, what on this board do you like? Well, I like all of it. Okay. So and then, then you have to go with like, well, what looks good on you? A lot of times what you like doesn't actually look good on your, mm-hmm. on our non-model bodies, you know? Well, talking about what we like, mm. we're going to interrupt bridal talk for a moment. And we have the incredible John Huertas on the line. What's happening? Hey, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Well, this is an absolute thrill, not only because you are one half of the best bromance on television mm-hmm. uh, as, as Javi Esposito on Castle, but this new film mm-hmm. of yours, Reparation, mm-hmm. oh my God. Did you see the movie? Yes. Oh, nice. I saw it before I talked, and I talked to Kyle last week about it. Talk about a performance as Jerome. John, you you just you blew me away from the physicality to the emotional balance that you found in there between making Jerome likable but also questionable mm-hmm. and pushing that limit. Absolutely uh, stellar work, stellar work. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I mean, what? led you to reparation because i know from what kyle was saying this was not you dove into this head first feet first you were in it to win it um he said you really went through you put yourself through a lot of training so you'd be able to to actually pick up and carry mark manchaka you know in the film but yeah what do you have to do what did what was it about this film 
that made you want it so badly and to go at it with such gusto? Well, I mean, it just the writing was, um, you know, there was, you, I could read the script and tell that a ton of thought went into the writing and into the, um, you know, into the, each into each character. And, you know, if someone's going to put that much time and effort into creating, uh, you know, characters so complex and, um, you know, it's my job and my duty to, to also put in as much work and time as I can to, uh, to support that. Mm-hmm. Now, something, uh, you, there's a pattern in a lot of the, of the characters that we see you do. Military veterans, you yourself are, you were in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. This, how important is this to you when, that with the characters that you select, the characters you portray, and the authenticity that you bring to these men and women in arms. How important is it? Yeah. Uh, I think it's really important. You know, there's been tons of, um, you know, projects that uh, out there that just, you know, they didn't, it was a misrepresentation, didn't didn't feel or look like, you know, what I experienced in the military or, um, you know, and I think that, you know, as you know, when you make film, when you make television, you're, you're still part of the media, and you have a responsibility to uphold the integrity of um, of whoever you're portraying, whether it be a fictional character or, a, but if it's a character based on a real job or a real, you know, a real job with importance, such as law enforcement or uh, military or, you know, um, the medical field, like you know, there's just you have to. You have to uphold that integrity, and I, and I think that's uh, super important. Something that I, you know, love to invest in. Well, and I, having seen so many of your characters, you know, I mean, granted, I've been watching you back to your days on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, wow. Really, <laughs> but I, I look at these and the conviction that you have and the honesty that you bring to your roles, it just increases in intensity. Until now, I think two of your most seminal characters are Jerome in Reparation and as Javi Esposito in Castle. How, oh, yeah. how do you keep amping it up? Because just when I think you can't deliver any more emotionally to the character or any more physically, you go ahead and you just blow my mind and you do it. And that's what you do as Jerome. Uh. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, you know, I I think that um, as actors, we have to always be studying, not only studying uh, people, but uh, studying um, emotion, studying how people deal with uh, different emotional levels, different um, experiences. And so, like, you know, you have to continue to always be a student of life, a student of um, the craft, and, and that's what I, you know, I can, I'll never stop learning. I love learning, learning from the people that I work with, learning from um, people that I engage with every day, and learning, you know, just, it's all about learning, and I, and I love, um, you know, I just love absorbing information, and so I think that's what helps me get to, you know, to do things and make something interesting, you know, the one of the approaches that um, I learned a long time ago in acting is, you know, you want Every time you do a scene, to and you want to have different um, uh, peaks and valleys, and mm-hmm. 
that you know, I just, it's always rang true with me, and I, and I always think about that whenever I'm doing a scene. I, you know, things have to change, things have to be different um, in every you know part of the scene. Got to be a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, John. Along with the good writing, is there a huge? Was there a huge advantage as far as working on working on reparation? Was it also just the freedom to explore your character? Just just more exploration within a really interesting narrative within an independent filmmaking? Um, yeah, I mean, it was really, uh, you know, first of all, making an independent film is always challenging. Um, and that's part of the fun, I think, you know, is, is, is challenging um, yourself and, and figuring out, you know, how to overcome, like, hurdles. And I think with an independent film, there are tons of hurdles that we have to jump over to get this thing made um, from the, you know, the budget that we have to work with, the logistics that we have to work with, and, and you know, shooting it in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. Logistically, you know, it was very well done by um, Kyle and the, and the crew that he put together, how we finished this movie in 24 days, um, to, you know, figuring out how to put in some rehearsal uh, time uh, for this movie so that you know it did go smoother when we were um shooting yeah it was uh no it, it it's it's invigorating to go through these challenges i think well you're facing another challenge too you on the film altered perception that you co-wrote with jennifer blank bean and you're co-starring and you're also producing that film so how, yeah. how do you juggle all the little hats and when does the producer's hat go on as opposed to the actor's hat, as opposed to the writer's hat, and finding that balance. Well, I think that the you know the those hats have to be worn at different times uh, throughout the production, uh, and yeah, you do need to know when to take off um, a certain hat, and I think that's you know once you can you can recognize that um, uh, and, and say okay now it's. Now I'm, I'm acting. I'm an, I'm an actor of the piece, so I, I can't wear a producer's hat or a writer's hat because I, I, it's going to get in the way of the actual like director's job or the other the other characters in the in the film. You have to get to know your role. I think so. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, it's just it's just knowing when to step back is is very important. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have any idea when Ultra Perception is going to hit the fest circuit or come out? Because I love Jen's work. I'm I'm a big fan of her work. She's really uh, passionate about uh, what she's doing. What she's able to accomplish with uh, the limited resources that she sometimes sometimes works with is uh, is amazing. But and one thing about her, and you know, I can't wait to see her get that one role that just takes it over the top because I think she's one of the most talented actors out there. She's super, super talented, super good. Um, so uh, I'm, we're not sure when it's going to drop. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I know that Jennifer, That's I'm leaving that in Jennifer's hands. She's working on that. Um, again, I had to know when to step back and let her handle things. Mm-hmm. So now back to reparation here. You've got another screening coming up. How was the world premiere the other night? It was great. Uh, the audience really um, uh, responded well to the film, I think. So, um, you know, we, we all the feedback that we got was incredible. Um, how could it not be? It's a great I, fi- it, How could it not be? It's a great film. 
Uh, well, you never know. There's, there, you know, hate is going to hate sometimes. Uh, hate gonna hate. I know. <laughs> I, I know. But when you sit down and you look at this film, every element of reparation is so well done, John. Kyle dotted the I's, crossed the T's, you know, going beyond even what you and Mark brought in your performances. And uh, as I said, you know, the whole the film, I am just such a huge, huge supporter of it and fan of it. And, well, thank you so much. and particularly your performance. Now, will you be there for the uh, next showing on, I think, what, the 30th? Um, I'm going to try it Thursday night, yeah. I'm going to try to get out there for that as well. I mean, you had to have had a lot of Castle fans there. There were. There were a lot of, you know, there were a ton of Castle fans, and hopefully there'll be more on, on Thursday. I'm going to definitely try to get the word out, try to um, get people out there. So, and uh, let them know I'll be there, and hopefully that'll bring them out. Well, it darn well should. And plus, you're down in Newport Beach, and the weather's going to be beautiful. And you know. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful down there. <laughs> so, can, is, there any, the boat and stuff. is there anything that you can uh, tell us about next season for Castle or what's up with that? Uh, the rumor mill is afoot. We know Nathan is signed, you're signed, but... I'm actually... Uh, they, haven't, they haven't closed a deal with me yet. Oh. Just Nathan so far. The only one that, he's the only one they've closed um, with. So we're all waiting to, you know, get that um, handled. And then I think they're going to, I'm waiting for them to make an official announcement that there will be another mm -hmm. season. Well, my big question is, you know, Nathan and Alan Tudyk have this great web series con man going. Where are the offers to you and Seamus and everybody to come on board for that? Uh, I don't know. I haven't got one. Um, but uh, funny enough, the the producer that's working with um, Alan on that, um, his name is uh, PJ Harzman. He's he's actually working. The both of us are working on a, a project together. Um, it's, it's very not. I wouldn't say it's similar to uh, uh, what Alan is doing, but it's you know it's the same Vimeo deal for mm -hmm. uh, a web series that. I've so, um, you know, we maybe we'll be bumping elbows, and, and you know, we can't maybe we can't work on the on the same project, but um, you know, we'll, we'll be on the same little network, hopefully, with our web series. Well, that would be absolutely fabulous, and you know, if you go fundraising route, you know, with Indiegogo, the way that Nathan and Alan did, if they can get two and a half million or whatever, you should be able to equal that, if not double it. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't. I don't know if we're going to do the. Uh, if we're going to need to do the, the crowdfunding. We might have a, a good enough budget where we don't have to do that. Uh, I'm hoping. John, I can't thank you enough. This was so kind of you to call us. I am just. I am such a, such a huge fan of your work. Always have been. Yes, even as Brad on Sabrina. Um, <laughs> which I mean, was you were you were funny. You were so funny on that. Oh, thank you. So thank to, you. to see you come from that to where you are now, mm -hmm. uh, it just, I am enthralled. And, oh, you know, you so I know Renee is sitting here with me and she is all, <laughs> she is a, she's like me. We always have Castle on, on always. reruns in the background. I think right at your door, the film you did with Mary McCormick, that oh, I, oh. I have seen that easily 50 times. Wow. It, it, that was an interesting film. That was fun. That's just it. It's so interesting, and every time I see it, 
it does something else to your mindset depending on what's going on at the world at the time that you watch it. Right. John, awesome. thank you again. Have a great Thursday night. We will definitely tell everybody, go to Newport Beach Film Festival and see Reparation. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks, John. We'll talk to you again. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. And that was John Huertas. And we have two and a half whole minutes. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna jump back All into right, some, wedding, and some, some wedding stuff here. All right. You know, now we also have a visual aid that we're not going to show. <laughs> we can't show you. We can't show. Out. But it's something perfect for you and your bachelor. Because a bachelorette party, and we've seen so many mm-hmm. of those on film. And they do play out in real life the way they play on film. They really do, actually. That's the, one of the more accurate representations of the wedding process on film. <laughs> so, and so the little book in your hand yes. was done by a friend of mine. Uh, the can name. You say the name. Yes, you can say the name. It's the world famous Giggle Stick Activity Book for Adults Only by Richard. Dickens. And uh-huh. his real name is, is Charles <laughs> West McNulty. Charlie's a very dear friend of mine. And this is, it encompasses all the fun that you had as a child, coloring things, practicing your, your penmanship, um, and all those drunk party games that bachelorettes do. Did you see the inside? Edits yes. And cover design by Virginia Vigine. I don't get it. You don't get it? Okay. I'll explain it to you later. Okay. But there are so many components. We've got the dress. We've got the bachelorette party. You've got the reception. And it's our one-minute mark. I know, I know, I know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Something's happening. (laughs) Moxiebrideevents.com, right? Yeah, that's me. Okay, it's a really beautiful site, by the way. Thank you so much. I'm very proud of my little site. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, and I see you, the wedding pictures you post all the time for these weddings you plan. How much like Jennifer Lopez in The Wedding Planner are you? I am exactly like Jennifer Lopez, including the butt. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, that actually is a fairly accurate representation of my job. <laughs> Not falling in love with the groom, but the actual, like, having everything on my person at all times. That's, uh, that's like 80% of my job. And, of course, <laughs> coming out of musical theater, that teaches you to multitask. And, oh, yes. Anyway. Yes. Yes. And constantly smile. Always smiling. No matter what. No matter what. Even if it's a corpse bride theme gone Even bad. Even if it's a corpse bride theme. The only thing, I, I joke with my assistant, the only time we should ever run or look sad is if the venue is actually on fire. Anything <laughs> anything short of that, we're cool. Literally. Uh, well, I was hoping we would have more time, but we talked with David Galligan so long That's today. Okay. You will come back. Of course. I love it here. Good. I'm so glad. All right. That is it for today. Brian's giving me dirty looks from the booth. That's it. Join us again next week. We've already got live and live people calling in next week on a bunch of other little indie films and uh, maybe a, a Courtney Cox surprise or a Jason Ooh. Priestley surprise. So tune in again next week to Behind the Lens.